welcome to the Coded Switch podcast, a deep discussion about the experience of intersectionality and vulnerability as it relates to wellness, hosted by Dr. Galanega Machisa and told to the psychologist. Welcome back to another episode of the Coded Switch. I am your co-host, Dr. G in the United States, joined by Tolti, the psychologist in Melbourne, Australia. That's me. And we're talking all things intersectional all the time. Yeah. Um, and we were just talking off camera, but we're, I was just saying how much I really, I've never been and I really want to visit Australia. Um, but I was a little put off. Just a tad put off by an Instagram reel that I saw the other day. Okay. Of it's from the accent, the guy sounded like he was British, like he was from you know the UK, uh, and was visiting Australia. I don't know where he was in Australia. Okay. Yeah. But there on his video, there were spiders suspended in air, <laughs> and like a hundred of them. Yeah. It, like not just one or two. It was it was absolutely wild. I have never seen anything like yeah. it. Mm. I assume they were in webs, but he said they were flying. So yeah. uh, can so you explain? explain? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they weren't like they weren't they didn't have they weren't moving, so they didn't have like the motion of flying, mm. right? So, but he they he kept saying in the video that they were flying. Um, I think which is on terif- the web. more terrifying. So they okay. were on the webs and they're flying along with the webs. So they don't fly, but they're sort of hanging and the webs move around. So like the spider webs that they do. I think it's fascinating. There's so much, I mean, for me, a lot of this is kind of normal. Like you just kind of get used to it. And I realised no, on my no, trip to America. Not, that, yeah, no. <laughs> that would never be normal for me. I can't walk outside my house and see spiders in the sky. They're just, that's not, I will never. In America, there are no pets. I mean, cockroaches, I think, was the only thing I saw. And I freaked out when I saw them too. They're so big. They're so big. You don't have cockroaches there? I mean, not like the Americans. I feel like yours are supersized me. Um, In in the cities, yeah, they can get, they can get pretty. I I thought it was a rat. It was, it turns out it was just a cockroach. (laughs) But I think, look, um, Australia is definitely one of those places where, you know, people don't come to because it's so far away. But once you're here, I assure you, whatever hotel you're staying, unless you're in Dubbo or some random place, I shouldn't say that. Maybe, and then people in Dubbo will be like, what's wrong with Dubbo? But, you know, it, you know <laughs> right. there's definitely, if you're in metropolitan areas, if you're in the main cities, you definitely won't be seeing any um, kangaroos on the street or, you know, uh-huh. what do you call it, flying? I don't mind. I could, I could, I would say, I mean, obviously give a wide berth to uh, kangaroos. I know how vicious they can be. I would not, I wouldn't be upset by seeing a kangaroo on the street. I would be upset and actually probably lose sleep over seeing spiders in the sky. I I have arachnophobia. I do. I am that. That's different. We do have like the world's most deadliest spiders and things like that too. But I think and don't you have to like look under your seat before you can sit down or something? I heard that too. Like you can't just like sit down in any chair because there could be the world's deadliest spider like under. I don't know. I hear things. Why am I tuned in? I avoid all media and like news, but somehow I'm up to date on where spiders hang out in Australia. 
Look, and I, and I feel like sometimes when you have that focus, like it can be really easy to just zoom in on that and yeah. that makes sense. Um, I attract the news to miss myself, I guess. I can assure you that if any, I highly doubt anything would happen, but even if it were, um, yeah. you'd just be taken care of. And like there's really, I've, I've never seen that where I, I mean, I just watch where I sit because I watch where I sit, not because, you know, there's going to be a spider there. And generally if you don't touch spiders, they don't touch you in Australia. It's more like if you go looking for them and, you know, get into their nests and webs and um Look, you, because you have arachnophobia, I won't go into it, but there's quite a few different types of spiders and ones that we know you kind of stay away from these if you see them. You know, if it's a jumping spider, you know, maybe make sure it's actually dead, like if you're going to kill it, like if it's, you know, in your house or something like that. But, no, they don't show up in your pillows or, you know, no, that, that doesn't. So that's, that's, I guess, what I'm, like, I'm asking. Like how, as an Australian, can you give me some sort of, I need like percentages here. Like it, how often, what is the probability on any given day of running into a spider? <laughs> I think honestly, I think it depends on the season. First of all, uh-huh. um, oh, the, yeah. the type of season will influence the type of spider. And, um, and I think also it depends on where you are. If you're hanging around dusty, murky areas, look, you're bound to come across them. Even when you go out into nature, like, a lot of spiders have webs. So if you see like lots of webs, like kind of there's going to be spiders there. But if you're mm-hmm. just kind of going about your day-to-day life, they're not like cockroaches. I find mm-hmm. cockroaches show up everywhere. Like you can just see. Yeah, like, they can be anywhere, yeah. Yeah, whereas I find that spiders are not like, like they're not going to be walking across your dinner plate. or do you, you won't find that. It's more like, you know, oh, we're going on a walk and there's a spider web or, you know, there's mm-hmm. a part in your house that you haven't dusted in months and months and look, mm-hmm. now a spider's made itself a home there. The only okay. time... And I'll be honest with you, the only time I freak out sometimes when there's like huntsmen's, like I don't look, they're not harmful, but I don't like them. But they yeah, I had can be. In yeah, the I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, they, but I was in Botswana uh, 2015, um, and yeah. and they have they're called they're referred to as flatties these spiders because they are yes. they are really flat. They're ginormous. I think they're in the huntsman family. They kind of look similar. Yep. Tarantula. They move so fast. They do. I mean, they, do. they 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 should be in the Olympics. These these spiders <laughs> are they move so quick. They're not poisonous. They're not harmful. Yeah. But it's upsetting to see. Yeah. Right. They're huge. They're like the size of your hand. Yeah. Right. And they would be like you would just like wake up in the middle of the night and one would be on your ceiling and then you fall back asleep and wake up again and it was not there and you're like okay that thing where is it now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? <laughs> And I think, and I think it's a really good segue into our topic for today, just in terms of talking about, you know, um, you know, that fear that we have, like people have all of these fears that, you know, sometimes founded, sometimes unfounded, but they can be incredibly debilitating despite all the skills and amazing, you know, talents that we have. Like you're, you're a trained physician and petrified of snakes. Like I'm a trained psychologist and it's crazy, but I'm petrified of dogs. Oh, get out of here. I not handle dogs. And, you know, Australia is such a dog-loving country. There's not very many ways to offend Aussies, but I can tell you a way to offend them within 15 seconds of meeting them. Tell them that you don't like dogs, and that'll set them off really quickly. And it's just... <laughs> 
it's really, really scary. Get off the continent. <laughs> Literally, like, it's so, and, and, you know, the most offensive thing is, well, I find it offensive, is, you know, um, when you tell them, like, you know, I, I don't like dogs, I'm scared of them. Oh, but my dog is so lovely. Mm-hmm. But my dog. What is it about oh, dogs that? that? I got more. Did you have a bad run-in? Ever? Like I got more by yeah. one. So I, I was very young, what? fell over the side of, um, Okay, look, I was doing a trapeze act and thought I was mm-hmm. pretty special. Uh, my cousin <laughs> was screaming at me not to, and then I fell over onto the neighbor's side and landed awkwardly, so I'd broken my leg, and then I couldn't move, and then their Doberman oh. basically got stuck into me. I've got the war scars to show for it as well. Oh, so well, scarring. I mean, this is not from, like, out of nowhere then. You no, have, no, you no. have and experienced so- something, yeah. But now it's kind of transferred, you see, and I think there's like, you know, this conversation about phobias and stuff, you know, it's transferred to now anything that has four legs, anything that barks, I have a problem with it. And then like I was on Facebook and I saw this clip of like this dog off the leash, which is actually a big no-no in Australia. You've got to have your dog on the leash. So, you know, it was off its leash and kind of went barking up to the kid and the kid was screaming and petrified and Mm. the dad like didn't hit the dog, but he was being really aggressive to it to try and scare it off. Now, open disclosure, if that was me, I would have kicked the dog in the head. Apparently (laughs) you can get arrested for that. I don't mind being arrested. Yeah, you could like you could be in a lot of trouble for like harming animals, and well, and, I mean, but if it's like being aggressive and you're protecting yourself, well, this is the thing, and so people are making all these commentary like, "Oh, look, I don't know about you, but all I can see is an aggressive man abusing a dog," and I was like, "There is a working Whoa. assumption here that dogs are not scary, and that's why the man seems unreasonable." Like the children were not like so many people were like just pro dog and. Yeah, it's just really. I think I was just mortified, actually, to be honest. But you know, I think it just comes back down to this whole idea of you know, sometimes we try and we avoid things because we just have this fear. And I know we're talking about animals yeah. and stuff like that, but there is yeah. really something to that where you know, despite how about public doing, speaking? Oh, I love doing that. <laughs> I know, which I'm I'm actually working on my you know because I I I would love to love it. Right. I, yeah. I can do it. I yeah. don't love it okay. like most people. Right. I can do it. It, it. It's nerve wracking to like prepare for it. I, I mean, for me, it's like everything leading up to it is nerve wracking. Once you're okay. actually doing it, it's just you're doing it. Okay. And then afterward, you're like, oh, that was amazing. But the leading the, the expectation, the anticipation leading up, you know, where you're just running through every worst case scenario that never ever comes to to fruition um but it's it's absolutely horrible um and it's weird because yes you do get some a level of comfort does happen you do build a level of confidence and comfort as you do more and more speaking thing like speaking uh, engagements but yeah it's still it's it's quite nerve wracking. I think it, I, I'm I'm fascinated when I hear of people like you who are like, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I, you know, because you're a TEDx speaker, right? Like you, yeah. yeah, you've done like main, made real deal, like prime time yeah. speaking engagements, yeah. right? So tell how do you get there? How do you get there to um, actually like thrive and love it and. <laughs> Listen, I've had positive experiences, so it's not like I, and I think I have to yeah. be fair, it's not like I had a phobia of dogs and then overcame the phobia and then just started to speak publicly. 
<clears throat> for me is a strength of mine and so it's easy for me to harness and find a space to be able to navigate mm-hmm. and I think for me mm-hmm. it started from a place of like disadvantage genuinely okay um how so I, what do you mean um well there were times that I was like really teased and picked on and I had to stand up for right. myself and I did and it yeah. worked and it was really empowering so I'm like this is hmm. something empowering for me and I think like by giving speeches <clears throat> you would or initially started at just playground fighting and like me having to wow. stand up for myself but I it's think like actually in real time having yeah. like but then wow. it developed into finesse when I was in year seven so I discovered debating and so I found oh, <sighs> I discovered debating and my god I, I, I felt like I was just at home because that's where I learned you know, how to argue, how to debate, how to present an argument, how to dissect an argument, how to respond. And, you know, the power of language and being able to articulate yourself and literally change people's viewpoints by being Mm -hmm. able to not just present, but being able to counter somebody's, you know, Mm -hmm. um, argument. And I think that it was just so powerful. I was like, wow. I can yeah. do this anything in my life. And of course That's I went amazing. to yeah. I went to a school that was developing at the time. I was considered one of the pioneer students. It's just a euphemism for saying we got nothing. But basically <laughs> we like we just had to fight for everything and we just had to we learnt to become so articulate and present ourselves to the school principal for everything that we wanted. And so I think from there I started to learn and develop those skills that, you know, by the time I finished high school then I was in radio broadcast, I was on television, I had my own TV show like that I, you know, um, was I produced with, you know, friends of mine. And so, you know, definitely it grew very quickly into something. And I think, you know, when you find something that you love, like you just got to keep doing it. Otherwise, those people take over. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I've spent so long that I barely give it a thought. I think, though, I reset to be honest, mm-hmm. I started becoming a bit, oh, I don't know if I'm up for this, is when I started presenting in different languages, mm. so particularly mm-hmm. like the oral language and you mm-hmm. know, my third language. And so now mm-hmm. talking to people and holding interviews and doing things was yeah. extraordinarily stressful. Yeah, um, yeah. I kindly are you going it. through in, do you, do you realize, like, are you going through it in English first in your mind before you sh- like translate into what you want to say in a fanoromo or? Oh, do you want to know the real truth? I used to write my scripts in Oromo and just rehearse them and just say that. And oh, get out. Them. Interesting. That, literally yeah, that's yeah. where I said because I didn't have, like, I didn't have, I had the vocabulary to have a conversation with someone. I didn't mm-hmm. have the vocabulary to be interviewed on some media broadcast. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and so for But me, that's, that's different now because you do. Yeah. Now right? it's very different. Yeah. And that was, that was 10 years ago. So in that ten, wow. and so what happens is people see me and they're like, "Wow, you are so articulate, so amazing. Are your sisters and your brothers as good as you?" I'm like, "Well, they haven't done fifteen thousand interviews in the oral yeah. language, so no, I, I don't think they're as good as me." But it's why is that even a question? Can I ask, like, why does who they're doing? They're in their own lane, like why <laughs> they're doing big things in their own lanes, like. People don't believe in that. Um, they're sort of, you know, they've they got sure these. They sure don't. And, ha- and how good is their oromo? Is it just as good as yours? I'm like, no, because they're not children's book authors. They don't do interviews with people. They haven't travelled around the world. And, like, I reckon I've had a good 5,000 hours, 10,000 hours of just talking to people in the oromo language. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I would, you know, my oromo is probably better than a lot of people who, who learnt the language born and raised outside of another country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, 
yeah, I think that that took a bit of practice for me to get back into the finesse yeah. of public speaking. But the fear yeah. is real. Like, I, and that I think you're smart. Why? What you is the fear? What do you think? Where? Where can we dissect that from? Like a psychology? Like, what is that? What's that fear based in of speaking publicly? Right. What is? What's at the root of it? Because it's something that is so. It's shared by so many. You know, through your speech or through like what you say or the content of or how you say it or for something to not match up to how you want to be received. I, I don't even think I'm explaining it right, but the feeling of it comes from, it feels like, well, am I going to say what I mean to say in the way that I say it? And are people going to resonate with it? It's more about actually, it's more about how will I be received? It's not, it's less so about, am I going to be able to say what I want to say? It's more so, are people going to think this is good? or worth listening to or definitely and I think that's part of it it's the whole um judgment like that's a big yeah. one so generally like I mean it's a combination for some people it's um for some people it's like sort of um genetic tendencies like oh I'm like you know I don't put myself out there my family's not like that you know that like women don't do that for example mm-hmm. you know and then for others it's environmental or biological or psychological so all of these it's a combination biopsychosocial factors right but i would say that most people who in my experience what i know of people who fear public speaking they say for some it's a fear like just as bad as death like a fear of dying mm-hmm. and i think right. it comes from that you know fear of being rejected or fear of being uh, you know yeah. embarrassed and also Vulner- vulnerability yeah and I think previous experience also comes into it as well. If you've had a negative experience of public speaking, then yes, you know, it's very likely that, you know, you probably, especially like for most people, public speaking start in school or in front of mm-hmm. friends. And so people might laugh at you or they might have a reaction to yeah, you. And, then, and, yeah. and when that, when you don't sort of examine that experience from an adult, adult perspective, you can just take that with you. Whereas, for example, my experience of public speaking was, phenomenal like I saw results I'm like I need to do this more often like it was fantastic Mm -hmm. and I think but what about okay let me let me let me uh make it a little more complicated what about for example with me Mm -hmm. when I when I do speaking engagements I do get really good feedback which you would think I would turn into then being like oh this is great people resonate Mm -hmm. I should do this yeah but it doesn't Right. Mm. Could it just be like personality of being more inward and, you know, like not, I don't know, because I, I do, it does tend to be well received when I, when I do those type of uh, engagements, but it's, it doesn't, I don't have that same reaction that you did. Like, oh my God, people are eating this up. I should do this more. And I love it. And I, mm. what is, why the different reaction? Um, well, it's interesting because I wouldn't go as far as saying like it's harder for introverts to give speeches or stuff like if anything, introverts probably give like really like meaningful and considered speeches if you think about it. So, you know, is it like, you know, someone's trait? I think like it, the nature versus nurture question comes into it. However, I would say for some people, you know, if we talk about, you know, well, I think some of it is like the practice. So if you talk about like being judged or having poor preparation or fear of appearing anxious or being self-conscious in front of groups, like these are serious things that hold people back. And so that comes mm-hmm. back to those, you know, those automatic thoughts or maybe some of those core beliefs that people have about their capabilities and whether they think they're capable or not and what contributed, 
you know, to those life experiences. And so if someone came to me with a phobia of public speaking, I think one of the first things I would do is go back to what is your experiences of public speaking be? What has it been like? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, where for you is the problem and finding out where the issues are. Like for you, it's, you know, in the preparation. For some people, it's the moment they they prepare really well, but then once they get mm-hmm. up on stage, they struggle to say the words and they're sweating. I had a guy who used to sweat on his butt, basically. So he'd walk around looking like he peed in his pants. It was, Aww. he was so traumatized by it. It was so funny that it was sad. Like, yeah. Like, oh, that's funny, but like, no, actually, it's not funny at all. It's actually quite sad. And so, what I, the role, what's yeah. the role for exposure? Right, because a lot often with phobias, the the, the mm. remedy is exposure therapy, right? Um, yes. So obviously, right, like just so just doing it, right? Doing it, being being the experience, seeing that you don't actually die. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because um, exposure can actually make it worse if it's not graded. Yeah. So the yeah, idea yeah. is like it needs to be graded exposure. So what that means in plain English is that if someone says, for example, like I'm scared of public speaking, putting them mm-hmm. in front of a crowd of 10 people and being like, go for it will probably make it even worse. So yeah. I think like what I would do is probably firstly find out what their experiences are of public speaking, mm-hmm. where it went wrong, tell me about it, what were the thoughts, what were the emotions, where did you feel it in your body? And then thinking about having to do that again, I would do like a bit of a rating scale. So, you know, what would you, in terms of the intensity of fear, what would be a zero, one, all the way to 10? And so what I would do is start working my way graded through that. So eventually they're doing mm-hmm. the 10. And I think that's yeah. probably a way to go about that kind of fear. But fear is real. Let me tell it's you, real. people's experiences it's, of it's, it's are a, very real. One of the biggest motivators, right? If not yeah. the biggest. But so what you're I saying think, is that before yeah. next time, you you and I, we're going to each touch a spider and a dog. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm thinking of getting this, um, I'm thinking of trying this new type of therapy, um, becoming qualified in it. And it's really known for like trauma, like it's trauma based. It's uh, it's a kind of, yeah, that's right. EMDR. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of getting um, endorsed in EMDR training and they were like, oh, you know, they experiment. Can you explain what it is so people know what we're talking about? Yeah. So EMDR is um, eye movement. Uh, desensitization oh 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 yeah reprocessing reprocessing so basically what it is you're repro so what happens is essentially oh my god watch me get into this so let me first talk about why this therapy has come up as like a new sort of form uh, of therapy for trauma so what happens is a lot of people experience trauma and get years and years of therapy and don't necessarily have an outcome Whereas with EMDR, people are seeing results in as little as six sessions. So, you know, six sessions can be more effective than multiple years of therapy. And it helps people to reprogram the trauma they have, not to take it away, but to be able to, you know, sit with it without experiencing all the feelings that they have. Can can you explain the mechanism of what's happening? Yeah. So basically what happens is, and the reason why I kind of freaked out was when they were saying, they were saying when you do training, sometimes they experiment with people and do any, does anyone have like a small trauma? And I'm like, oh my God, the dog, the dog, the dog phobia. I'm going to put my hand up for it and get some free therapy from an experienced EMDR <laughs> therapist. But essentially what happens is, okay, 
So we see things in our life, essentially, and our brain processes. So our brain processes are at a surface level. And then when we go to sleep, it kind of that special things happen in our brain and that puts it from our working memory, our short-term memory into our long-term memory. And so what happens is when people experience trauma, it doesn't actually process and move like I'm pointing like to the back of your head, but it doesn't yeah, get yeah, processed into your, yeah. into your long-term memory. So what happens is it just sits right there at the front. So any little thing can trigger you off. So you think about like right. war veterans or, you know, people who've experienced abuse and they smell something, they see something and it just totally sets them off. Mm-hmm. So what EMDR does is actually uses eye movements. And so they get you to move your eyes in certain directions. This is with some preparation to find out what your trauma are and how to overcome them but essentially what they do is they get you to do all these eye movements and then get you to think about those memories and so now your brain starts to get confused because you're like do I do this or do I do that so it's forced to actually start processing some of the stuff so it will take those memories and process it into your long-term memory while you're doing these rapid eye movements you know based on what the clinician is telling you and then what I yeah I I, I understand of it is it has to do with like the the act of scanning it's because the eye movements they're lateral eye movements and it's That's the right. act of scanning the environment does something to also lower the threshold of being able to move things into that 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 out into of working that memory into yeah into right? a long time. i think that's fascinating that i mean first of all like how that's amazing it's mm. just a, i i do have moments where i'm like wow, it's, it's kind of incredible what human beings can figure out as far as how did somebody connect that lateral eye movements and the act of, act, you know, what is essentially scanning your environment mm-hmm. lowers your, your, you know, stress threshold, your, your cortisol threshold that, that you can then start to like move things from working memory into long memory. That's fascinating to me. And that's well, the, the, so I- effective. Well, the fascinating part is the results. So for prisoners, so people who've come back war veterans, they say for those who have one trauma, it's like a a 100% or like 90% success rate. And for multiple traumas, it's a 75% success rate. Which is incredible. In six sessions. That's huge. So watch this space. All right, we've been talking about fear, guys. That's enough talk about fear. We've done it. Like now we're going to move on and talk about something else. But if you're interested, yes, Everything from phobias to EMDRs to spiders to patients <laughs> to Australia. <laughs> Welcome to see you. Come to Australia anytime, any place. I'll we'll give you like um spray. Worst case scenario, just spray a spider. <laughs> yeah. Won't work with the can kangaroo. Can you get that at the airport? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do it with spiders. Maybe not with the kangaroos. Um, I right, will right. Be, well, I'm about to log off, but I will see and hear from all of you on our next episode. See you next time.